Well, good evening. Um, so when I was asked to speak tonight, started mulling over the different things that could possibly be of concern or something that was of interest to me, prayed about it, thought for the longest time, decided something yesterday. So, um, so a few things went through my mind though. Maybe, which is interesting, what we just read from uh, in our responsive reading, I thought about talking about the return of Christ. Uh, I thought about talking about the the high priestly work of of Jesus Christ and the the antecedents to that um, priestly um, role that we see throughout Scripture. But maybe I'll save that for another time. Um, if I hopefully. I'll get asked to do this again, but we'll see how tonight goes. Um, <clears throat> but what I settled on and what I felt like the Lord wanted me to really share with you guys tonight is about missions. Um, so not something you typically get on a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. We just, for some reason, we don't really talk about missions all that much. So I want us to talk about missions, see what the Bible has to say about uh missions. We're not going to go into an in-depth study at all. This is going to be kind of hitting surface level on everything. Um, but we're going to talk about missions. We're going to look at a few passages. We're going to look at um, some theological aspects of mission um, and then also uh, one or two motifs or, or themes that we see in scripture concerning missions. So the first place I want to look <clears throat> is Psalm 96. Psalm 96, we'll just read uh, a few verses here, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So what do we see here? Something that stands out to me is the glory of the Lord is to be declared where? All nations. Okay, among the nations, not just in Israel here, right? It's not just in the surrounding communities, it's among the nations, among all nations. All right, so that's kind of a starting point of, okay, and we're gonna answer what missions are in a minute. Um, but first I want to just see uh, the scripture passages that talk about sharing the name of Christ, uh, promoting his glory among other people, okay? So, <clears throat> this passage is tell us that um, the nations should worship because the Lord has worked salvation. He has made the heavens. Um, and that all these things indicate that he is due all the glory that he seeks among the nations. Um, next passage I want us to look at is um, Genesis 12. So, we're going to go backwards a little bit. Um, and I think... 
chose to go backwards because the next passage is going to be a New Testament passage that fits with Genesis 12. Um, so Genesis 12 is the story of um, what? Abraham, right? <clears throat> um, so Abraham is told, uh, this is the call of Abraham, uh, and I'm going to read, I'll start verse 1 and stop where I, wherever I, I think is the best place. So now the Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many families? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75. Is it ever too late to be called by God, to be chosen by God? I don't think so. I think Scripture bears that out um, constantly, consistently. Uh, so Abram um, took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had, they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Um, <clears throat> so Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. <clears throat> and Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. So we hadn't really talked about this a whole lot. I don't, I don't think we talk about it a whole lot in, in um, a lot of our teaching opportunities, but something I find interesting, this is kind of off the point, but where is Abram where he, when he is called by God? Any ideas? Where, where is he? <clears throat> where is he from? Like Ur, right? From Ur of the, of the who? Okay. So he's called basically out of a land of pagans. Like, Abram is a pagan by, by all accounts, okay? He is a pagan, but he's called by God. And what's remarkable is Abram acts out in faith, okay? Abram acts out in faith in the one true God, okay? Um, so I want to look at, um, I want to look at Galatians 3, uh, 1 through 7 next. <clears throat> Galatians 3, yeah. So Galatians 3, 1 through 7. O foolish Galatians, <clears throat> who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? 
Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, Abraham's called by God. He acts out in faith. Therefore, this kind of faith in God um, that people now have is, this, is accounted as the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Um, so they go, they go along. Um, so that now the, the, the good news is not just preached to Israel. It doesn't stay in Israel. And we'll see a little bit later, it was never meant to stay in Israel. Um, but... Um, now it's Jews and Gentiles, okay? So that all those who exercise faith, who have faith in Christ, are children of God. They are the blessed families, okay? Um, so, <clears throat> next passage is going to be probably one of the most, uh, I guess, popular passages, Matthew 28, <clears throat> Matthew 28, anybody know what's in Matthew 28, the great what, the great commission, right, <clears throat> so Matthew 28, uh, we'll read verses 16 through 20, <clears throat> now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they had saw when they had saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How many nations? All nations. Okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. The, <clears throat> to me, this is the call to the church. Okay? This is what every church should be doing right here. Going, going to all nations, baptizing them, all right, making disciples, baptizing them, all right, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. Um, and you know, in the comfort... He says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay? Is it going to be easy? Of course not. It's not going to be easy. That's why the last wording is there. Jesus says, I know it's not going to be easy, but guess what? I'm going to be with you always. All right? So, <clears throat> those are just a few passages that kind of speak of um, God's glory, God's name being made great among the nations. And people of faith um, taking part in the great work of God among all the nations. All right. So, <clears> the <throat> question is, what are missions for? Why do they exist? Um, anybody want to give any thoughts on why, why missions? 
why, why is there even a need for missions? Right, so people have never heard the name of Jesus, okay? Um, and even those who have heard the name of Jesus, is there still a need for missions to happen in those places? I think so, because why? Because people still live uh, in rebellious states. Like, they still rebel against the one true God. How? They live to please themselves. They live, live to please the idol of self or the idols that they've grown up with, um, being taught. People need to hear the good news, all right? Um, but let's look at, uh, if you look at Genesis, Genesis 1 is the foundational point to me of all missions. What happens in Genesis 1? We actually read it in the first passage in Psalms. What, what's the foundational point of of any good teaching on God and missions or anything that has to do with theology. God created everything, right? God created all things. All right, so the fact that God creates all things means that all things are subject to him, okay? Uh, so we like to think where we're on we're our own entities, right? We can do whatever we want to, whenever we want. You can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person, you know. How true is that? It's not true at all. We're all God's creation, and therefore we answer to God. So uh, we, if you're in the uh, children's church meeting uh, just a, a few minutes ago, the video that was played talked about Adam and Eve taking the, the fruit because they thought they knew better. They thought basically the tree that they took from represented God's authority. Um, and they thought, you know what? I'm going to believe the lie, and I'm going to take that authority upon myself. And that was, what was the name of it? A very bad day. That's <laughs> the name of that, that story. It's a very bad day. Um, so, that resulted in the fall, right? So the fall of mankind into sin um, is really the, the reason why we have missions. Or ev we could even say um, evangelism, okay? Um, we can make a distinction there, but I uh, may save that for a little bit later. Um, so people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because men are sinful. All right, men have taken into their own hands to act according to their own, their own will instead of turning to Christ in faith. All right, so um, where do we go from here? That's the question. <clears throat> All right, I'm just going to read this. <clears throat> there are many other passages in Scripture that show that God was not willing to just let man ruin himself. So in Genesis 3, right, so you have the, the creation fall, and then there's a promise given. There's a promise that man would not be left to himself to take care of this issue. There's a promised seed that the woman will bear that will one day crush the serpent, right? And which is really saying 
there's one day that this evil, this sin will be crushed. All right, there's a Savior promised. All right, so man doesn't leave, uh, or God doesn't leave man to himself, right? Uh, but instead, he intervenes in order to show mercy and salvation. Um, we can see that in the accounts of Noah, uh, which we talked a little bit about this morning. Um, sin was rampant. All right, but does, but does God say, I'm going to wipe them all out? In a sense, he says that, but he, but he saves the few, right? He saves the eight that make it on board the, the boat, uh, so Noah and his family. Um, <clears throat> then you see Abraham. Um, Abraham is called out among, from among the pagan nation, all right? He's called out to basically be a people for God. Uh, and then we can see Moses and the, Israel, the, the Hebrews in Egypt. They, they were in a bad spot, all right? But God works. He calls out Moses to lead the people out of bondage, out of slavery. Um, so God does not leave people to their own devices, their own issues. God works to save individuals um, and people groups. Uh, we can see that in the Old Testament. I think um, there's evidence, uh, I guess, among uh, modern missions where people groups are saved at a time, like communities are saved. Um, it's not always just individuals one at a time. Sometimes if, if one or two people come to Christ, then it's a whole community that ends up coming to Christ. It's fascinating how that, how that works. Uh, but what we need to know is missions is a result of God and his love for people. He is a missionary God, as John Stuck. John Stott has said, because he has blessed all the families of the earth. He hasn't left man to ruin, but he is determined to bless all nations through Jesus Christ. Um, so I want to talk about some theological aspects of mission theology. Um, theology's, theology, everybody knows what theology is, right? It's the study of God or to, to learn about God. Um, it's got a broad scope, but that's the general idea. Um, you learn about God. Um, so, likewise, mission theology, then, is important because how one views God in the area of um, mission theology will determine how he or she determines his or her own mission theology. So, what you believe about God determines how you act. Okay, What I believe about God determines how I act, how I think God works in this world will determine the things that I do. Uh, we may not think about it like that. I don't think anybody really sits down and, and says, how is the way I, I think about God really determining what I'm doing right now? But it's true that that's how that works. What you believe about God will determine the things you do, how you act. Um, I think if you sit down and think about it now, you might figure that out. But I just, it's not something we readily just do. Uh, so, how we think God works in missions um, affects how we do missions as well. Uh, so, two such examples of specific theologies that can determine uh, mission theology are in the area of salvation or soteriology um, or 
anthropology and more specifically in um, the Imago Dei, like man-made in God's image, okay? So looking at those two things, how does God save people and who are, like, who are we as human beings? I think uh, looking at those two things will help us focus in a little bit more on um, how God works in missions. So first, uh, salvation. Um, the focus of this is on the recipients of salvation as secured through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> there are many people that believe that salvation is uh, granted to all who ask for it, but Scripture tells us that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. So you think of <clears throat> people who say, I need to be saved. They, they seek salvation through um, animal sacrifice. They seek salvation through, um, let's see, uh, just working hard to get salvation. They think, I can atone for my own sins. Um, people think that way. They do things that way. And it's simply not true. The Bible tells us that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Um, John 14, 6, Jesus says it plain. Plain is that I am the way and the truth. And the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. Um, so, if it's true that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ, then that's the that's reason enough that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ should be shared and spread to all who are lost. But if Jesus is just one of many ways to salvation, or or um, whatever may come, then there is no real urgency to spread that news. I think a lot of times we don't act or speak with urgency because I just don't think we fully grasp or we think about Jesus is the only way that these people are going to be saved. And we, I don't know what it is exactly, but I just don't think we, we feel the urgency of that as much as we should. But the only thing left at that point is sharing and spreading your message just to increase your following. So, if you're up here preaching, if, if somebody's out there preaching, saying there are multiple ways to get to Jesus Christ. Some, maybe there's some church down the street that says, no, Jesus isn't the only way, it's just one of several ways. Then, I ask the question, why is that person even up there speaking? You know, there's just no point in them being up there other than promoting their own selves. Alright, but the duty of anybody teaching here, whether it's here, here, in the Sunday school classes, it's always to promote Jesus Christ. That should be our goal. Um, that should be our, our task. Um, <clears throat> so, looking now at the Imago Dei. To make, be made in the image of God is to be made like Him. Um, man was made like Him in a, a witnessing character. Um, Michael Worden pointed that out in um, a book I read. He says, uh, this view uh, is that God created man in his image, and part of the image bearing is that God is represented and glorified through man. All right. <clears throat> that was one of the original purposes of, of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were to glorify God by acting out to and keeping the garden, working the garden, spreading the glory of God throughout the earth. Alright? But we know we already talked about how that worked out. All right. So, <clears throat> that 
responsibility did not end with the fall of man and sin, but the mandate and the responsibility remains. Men and women who are in Christ are to show forth the glory of God and proclaim Him to all people. It was part of the original mandate of creation and it exists now as a mandate to the church to be witnesses of God's glory as seen in Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate image of God. We are to proclaim Christ to all people because we are identified as little Christ, Christians, right? Um, <clears throat> by taking on the name of Christian, we're saying we exist to magnify the glory of God and magnify the name of God Christ. Right. The fact that human beings are made in the image of God um, gives reason uh, for us to care and seek out the good of others um, that are also made in the image of God. I had a conversation with Bethany a few weeks ago. I actually talked to Vance about this too. And it's something that's really bothered me the last um, couple months is looking at the different issues we're, we're going, um, are going on in our society. There's a big push for alternative lifestyles, if you want to call it that. We're talking transgenderism, uh, homosexuality, all that kind of stuff is being pushed and it's being pushed as normal and okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not harmful. But the plain and simple of it is, is it denies the image of God in man. God did not create us that way. And for us to, to say, no, that's okay, that's normal, then we have to say, we don't care for the way that God made us. We're denying the very dignity that God has given us as human beings. And that's really the ultimate um, downfall of sin, is that <coughs> sin makes us less human. Sin robs us of the dignity that God created us to have. Um, and I guess the point in, in talking about that image of God situation is I've struggled with how 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 often should I say something to somebody? Like should I say something to somebody? Is it wrong? Is it right for me to do it? How, you know, just working through those things in my mind. And the thing that I kept coming back to is if I truly believe that men and women are made in the image of God, then I feel like I have to say something. I have to say something because it's true. And we have to tell people it's true. No matter how it may make them feel, how it may make me feel, we have to say the truth to people because the truth will set people free, right? The truth of the gospel is Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Who am I? Well, I'm, I'm made in the image of God, but I'm a sinner. All right? And Jesus Christ came to save me and to restore me to, in essence, like a, a full humanity. All right? Um, and that's the same kind of love we need to have for other people. When Christ saved us, loved us. Um, we need to be willing to share that same kind of love with others. Speak the truth. Share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. The people hate you for it. Guess what? Jesus said what? The hate of you, you know, they're going to hate you too. It's okay. Um, 
What's that? Just offers them again. Go to the next, you know, say the truth, go to the next place. Tell the truth. So, um, none of that was in my notes. I just went off right here. So let me get back. Um, so, one reason to have a mission theology is to see that other people reflect the glory with which they were made to reflect. Um, last thing, how, how, how long have we gone? Alright, I'll make a little bit of a second. Alright, couple things and motifs. Um, <clears throat> worship. John Piper says that missions exist because worship does. Plain and simple. Pretty plain and simple. He derives this from the countless scriptures that point to God as the one who should receive glory for who he is. Uh, God is the creator of all things, and God deserves all the glory that is due him. God is jealous for his name, and he will not share that glory with any other. Um, scripture reference. Um, Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. Missions is therefore called to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ to people who are not giving God the glory that he deserves and are not worshiping as they ought. But how are these people worshiping? How? People are blind to the message that God is great and greatly to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. They follow their own way. But thankfully, the church has the answer, right? Jesus, in giving his disciples the command to spread the message of himself, did not leave them helpless. He gave them the Holy Spirit. He gives that Holy Spirit to all that follow him in faith. The same Spirit enables the church to be a witness for the good message of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has secured through his death and resurrection. That is the message that the church has proclaimed to a lost and unbelieving world that lacks the ability to give God the glory that he so deserves. Spreading the message of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the one way, um, is one way in which the scriptural theme of worship is accomplished. Um, something I want to note here is a lot of times when we when we think about doing missionary work, we think of going overseas, preaching the gospel to an unreached people group. That's sometimes just the only thing you think about. But being missional, I can use that word. Um, missional means going out from where you're at. Okay? So sitting in this pew, you leave here tonight. Being missional, being purposeful in sharing the good news. Okay? With who? Are we saying you have to go across seas to share the gospel? Not necessarily. You can share the good news here and now with people you work with, people in your neighborhood, people, that you jokes on that all the time, guys, because I go to gas stations, and I'll go to the same gas station all the time. But you know what I do while I'm there? I meet the same person every time, and I have a little quick conversation with them. I get to know them, get to talk to them. Uh, you know, it's a joke in our house. But, but, uh, <clears throat> but just those kind of interactions are helpful. You, you go see these same people every day. You build these little relationships that, in turn, help you be able to share with them, share share the gospel with them. Um, that none of that negates the need for doing overseas missionary work. People, all unreached people, need the gospel, right? All people who are unbelievers 
need the gospel. Guess who else needs the gospel? The church needs the gospel. We need to be constantly reminded of the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Um, it keeps us energized, I think. It keeps us going. Um, so, last thing I want to I mention is missions is typically thought of as a parachurch type thing. It's done outside the church. Like, um, I know we, we support missionaries here. Uh, I can't tell you how many. I, I know at least like, one, one group. There's probably more. Uh, that's on me for not knowing. Um, but I think sometimes we think, okay, there's this organization over here and they do missions. Right? If you're a Southern Baptist, you think, oh, the I and B, they do missions. We just give a little bit of money and help them out. You know, help them send missionaries out here and there. Um, NAM is the, is the North American Mission Board. Maybe we think they just do North American missions, we send them some money. They do missions. But what we need to understand is that missions comes out from local churches. Uh, it should be a, a um, outworking of the local church. Okay, so what am I saying? <clears throat> I'm saying when missionaries are sent, they should come from the local church. They should come from um, specific churches. Uh, not necessarily just just random organizations. And I know how, how things work. This kind of mixed up. But the main point I want to get at is I think when we focus on how are we contributing to missions um, as a church, I, want, I, I think we would do well to think how are we actually contributing? Are we just financially contributing? Do we have ways that we can actually go and serve? Um, maybe it's short-term missions. Maybe it's maybe there's somebody in the church that is really feeling called to do long-term missions somewhere. Um, are we accepting? Are we are we helping facilitate those kind of things? Because the call of the church is to promote the gospel. Uh, however. Um, we can really, um, and I think one of the ways that we can do that is through missionary efforts. Uh, so, <clears throat> last thing I want to say, maybe we're done. The church is a great place to see the outworking of the mission theology. Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28 to go baptize and to teach people to obey all of his commands. This is the ministry of the church. Preaching, teaching, observing sacraments is how the church is to grow. It's been said that the same ministry that creates the church sustains the church and expands the church throughout the world until Christ's return. The ministry of the church should be seen as a ministry of missions. Um, lay people are Christians who have the same commission to make disciples. Whether it's at home or at work or beyond, the call is to be a witness of Christ to a lost and dying world. All who are in Christ are not alone. They belong to Christ and they should be witnesses in their local Jerusalem or their Judea or to the ends of the earth.
any thoughts or concerns on anything that was said tonight?